Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Let's stand. Hold your Bibles up, your iPhones, iPads, whatever. Say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what the Bible says I can do. Today I'll be taught the Word of God, and I boldly confess my mind is alert, my heart is receptive, and I'll never be the same again. Never, never, never. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Again, welcome, and those of you watching online, welcome. Uh, we're glad that you're here uh, in person and online. Uh, we're doing a series not out of this book, but I wrote this book many years ago called Mastering Your Storms, and uh, little did I know that it would be my handbook. <laughs> I thought I was writing it for somebody else, and then all of a sudden I went into a hurricane slash tornado slash Oklahoma windstorm. But... Uh, so, you know, here, here's what happens in our lives. Uh, you know, when we go into a crisis or we find ourselves in a storm, the devil wants to come and tell you you're a horrible person. Had you not done what you did, you wouldn't be in the storm you're in. Starts talking in your, whispering in your ear. And, and what he's trying to do is make you feel the guilt that only he and he alone possesses when he denies Christ God and gets kicked out of heaven and he wants to drag you down with him. And so... It, get this, if he can just have you and nobody else, it makes it a lot easier to, to pull you down. But when you connect yourself to the right people in the midst of a storm, you'll be surprised at how strong you get, and you'll get stronger than the storm itself. And everybody goes through them. Everybody goes through them. And so what we have to realize it's, it's not that we that it's so important that we know we're going through them because everybody knows that, but you can't let the storm get inside you. It can get all around you, but if it gets inside you is when it gets dangerous and you begin to doubt and question uh, God. And, and that's okay. You know, sometimes we, we think God gets mad at us and we get mad at him. <laughs> can I tell you something? I've been mad at God before. And somehow, oh my, is lightning going to strike right now? You know, God is not insecure. He understands our humanity and our human emotions. And so when you're going through a storm, I don't know how many times, you know, maybe you've shook your fist toward heaven and uh, you've been angry and uh, you, you've just never rebounded because you think it's impossible for God to forgive me. So you keep yourself in the vortex of that storm by uh, placing on God what you feel about yourself, that there's no way God could love me again or accept me because I've been mad at him. And so last week I talked about reaching out in a storm. It sounds very simple, but most of the time when we're going through something, we're either embarrassed or ashamed, and we don't want to tell anybody else, you know? And I tell you, I'm over that. Matter of fact, I over-communicate now. You don't want to get around me unless you really know God, because I'll spill on you. I don't, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I don't even anymore. I want you to pray for me. I want you to pray for me by name. I, I want you to get specific. I want you to, you know, because I don't care anymore. What I care about is bringing glory to God. And if we can get on the other side of our storms, it glorifies the Lord. It says they never quit on him. They didn't stop. They didn't give up. They didn't give out. They kept fighting. 
That's how come Paul said, I've fought the good fight, I've run the race, I've kept the faith. You're going to have to fight, you're going to have to run, but you more importantly must keep the faith. And you need to be around people who feed your faith, not your fears. If you'll get around the right people, they'll feed you and uh, you'll get stronger, you'll get more confident, and you need to talk to yourself. Some people used to say, well, if you talk to yourself, you need a psychologist. I believe if you don't talk to yourself, you need one. I be- As a matter of fact, I believe you ought to answer yourself. As a matter of fact, I have the best conversations with me of anybody. I, I converse. We get them, Mark and Mark get along just fine. Now, they argue a little bit. You did this. No, I didn't. I didn't mean it, but I did it. I didn't. And so the, the problem with our society is we're so worried about what everybody else is going to think, why we're in the storm, how did we get in the storm, and, and we go through all these things instead of saying, you know what, I'm a, I'm a fallen human being that needs God, and, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm a fallen person that needs God, and we all do. And anybody who tells you they don't need God, don't ride with them. I've ridden with people, and I told them they needed God. I quit riding with people who don't, that, that know God but don't have a real good relationship with him. So you need to just keep your head in the storm. So today I want to talk about the routines of life that keep us on course even when we can't see. The routines are, are very important. There was a man who uh, routinely went to a bar and ordered three pints of beer. Don't get mad at me for telling this joke, all right? Some of you religious people watching, like, I can't be talking about beer in the house of God. Just fun, okay? It's just funny. And he routinely goes to the bar and orders three pints of beer. The bartender serves them, and the man sits down and proceeds to drink one after another until all three are gone. Then he returns to the bar and orders three more. He drinks them and then returns to the bar once more. The bartender says, you know, they'll stay colder and fresher if you order them one at a time. Oh, sorry. Let me explain. Uh, he says to the bartender, my, my two brothers and I used to always get a pint together, but they both moved out of the country, so I'm honoring them by getting three at a time. I miss them. This continues, and the man becomes a regular at that bar, never breaking his routine of ordering three pints at a time. Until one day, he comes in and only orders two. The bartender notices the change, but doesn't say anything at the time, and the man drinks the two pints, and then returns to the bar and orders two more. The bartender says to him, I- I'm so sorry for your loss, sir. Confused, the man says, I'm-, I'm sorry? What loss? The bartender says, oh, well, I just assumed that one of your brothers died. Laughing, the man says, oh, no, my brothers are both alive and well. I just quit drinking. You guys responded a whole lot better than 930 crowd. (laughs) It's so important that we don't allow loss or people that move or get away to break the routines of life. Sometimes we just keep on going and uh, do the best we can. Turn in your Bibles, if you would, or you can read on the screen the book of Revelation. It used to, when I was a kid and went to church, anytime the the preacher said he's going to preach out of Revelation, I'm like, I'm out the back door. I mean, the book of Revelation is that, you know, you can scare people into heaven by reading that out loud. There are all kinds of really good stuff in there. It says, write this. He's writing to the seven churches. It says, write this to Philadelphia, the church of Philadelphia, the angel of the church. 
the holy, the true, David's key in his hand, opening doors no one can lock and locking doors no one can open, speaks. I see what you've done. Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you that no one can slam shut. You don't have much strength. I know that. You used what you had to keep my word. You didn't deny me when times were rough. And watch as I take those all who call themselves true believers but are nothing of the kind, pretenders who true, whose true membership is in the club of Satan. Watch as I strip off their pretensions and they're forced to acknowledge it's you that I have loved because you kept my word in passionate patience. I love that combination, passionate patience patience you never lose your zeal or your fervor for God in the midst of struggles and storms you are passionately patient and that's a real gift that's a real choice it's an intentional thing that we have to do is in the midst of that storm say God I want to do something to fix this problem right now if you're an A-type you're a fixer you, you like immediately say, I go fix it. I got, to, I got to sleep at night. I'm taking care of this. And God says, no, 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 no. You need to be passionately patient. There have been times you've called people and you knew God. I mean, you're dialing and the angel's going, no, stop. And you just got, I got, I got to fix this, man. I can't sleep tonight. And he says, I'll help you sleep. If you'll trust me and be patient, I'll take care of it. We are oftentimes taking care of problems that God's already taken care of or wants to take care of himself. And if you're my type personality, that takes a lot of passionate patience to say, God, I want to be done with this. I want to get this behind me. And sometimes if you don't pass this test, it will go on for years. And matter of fact, God says, I'll take care of the storm. You know, I got this, God. How many times have we said, God, I got this? And God said, no, I already had it and fixed it. And now you're getting ready to mess it up. We have to be passionately patient. It says, I'll keep you safe in the time of testing that will be here soon and all over the earth. Every man, woman, child put to the test, not temptation, test. I'm on my way. I'll be there soon. Keep a tight grip on what you have so no one distracts you and steals your crown. Too often... When crisis happens, we don't know how to respond to the crisis. And, and we, we make it even worse by not giving God the opportunity to first direct us, speak to our heart, tell us what to do, if you will. And, and I'm not talking about maybe verbally words, but in your heart of hearts, you know that you just have to stop and wait on the Lord and let him minister to you to get you through that storm. A friend of mine was a pilot. and He was just a small plane. He didn't have a commercial license or anything, but he had learned to fly, and, and he was a very intelligent person. And uh, he was flying one day, and he, before he took off, he did all of his pre-flight checks, checked the weather, and did all those things. And uh, he got up, and a storm developed en route to his destination. And and he found himself in the clouds, and he wasn't instrument rated. And, and uh, so he began to panic. 
And, you know, I, I've never really quite understood it. Fortunately, I've never been in this situation. But they say when you get in the clouds, you can oftentimes go vertigo. You're upside down, and you don't even realize it. So depending on how you pull uh, the yoke, it will determine whether you're going up or down. Well, if you're upside down and you pull it, you're not going to go up. You're going to go down. And so he's in the clouds, and finally he realizes this storm that had developed. He started saying to himself, do what you know to do. Do what you know to do. And said his name. Do what you know to do. And so he calmed down and eventually got through the clouds to where he could see where he was going. In other words, typically when we get in a storm, we start pulling the yoke and trigger and doing everything instead of saying, I'm going to ride this out for a little bit to see if I can get to blue, get to the clear uh, part of the sky where I can see and I can fly. And sometimes you do have to talk to yourself and say, hold it. I'm not making that call right now. I've had a policy in my life for years. After 5 o'clock, I don't take care of anything that might get ugly. You know why? Because you've been awake way too long that day to deal with something stupid. But you say, if I don't deal with it, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Well, you know what? If you do deal with it, they're not going to sleep tonight. Because you're dealing with something that God's already dealt with or you don't have passionate patience to allow God to deal with it. And what happens is when you surrender to God and you give him that, you say, God, I have to trust you because right now my soul is in turmoil. I'm angry, I'm frustrated, I'm afraid, whatever it might be. You have to exercise a passionate patience to say, God, I'm not going to deal with this right now. Let me tell you what happens. Oftentimes in my life, God takes care of something that had I stepped in, I would have handled it wrong. But instead, God took care of it. I had many, many employees at one time. and There were times I knew that the season for that particular employee was up. And I began to see a storm a-brewing. They weren't happy, and because they weren't happy, they weren't doing their job, which made me unhappy, and I think God was on my side, and he was unhappy. And what I wanted to do, because I'm pretty quick on the trigger, going, I'm just going to go tell them, just go ahead and pack her up. We'll give you two weeks. Get out. See, everybody thinks church is this, this, like, this little fluttering holy place when you have employees. You're like, well, it's a church. How many of you know, you can, you can be stupid anywhere. And you know, God does not pay our electric bill. He uses you to do that. <laughs> and I'm thankful for you. But I wish God would just sign a check. But he doesn't. It's a business. It's everything we have to do is like, like you. So there have been times I've wanted to do it. And more times than not, that person will come to me and say, Pastor, they, they would come and say, you know, I feel like my time here is up. And what they really were saying, they were struggling having to tell me. They weren't being mean. They weren't, they, they weren't doing anything wrong. They were struggling. They were in a storm. And they didn't know how to handle it because they didn't want to hurt my feelings. Well, you know, I'm sitting here going, well, I'm a little frustrated because you're not doing your job. But my frustration would have ruined the relationship. Instead, having passionate patience, they were able to come to me. And I said, you know what, I'm just for you. What can I do to help you get to your destiny? Instead of creating a worse storm, I just stepped back and I said, I'm going to be passionately patient and see what God does. Because what happens if you start pushing. See, Jesus, this is interesting. He didn't call us cattle. He called us sheep. And you, some of you that have never 
been on any of those, and we grew up in the country, so we had cattle, sheep, everything around us. Cattle, you drive cattle. You have to drive, they're dumb. You've heard me say it before, you look like a cow at a new gate. Going, what? <laughs> what do I do now? Never been here before. But Jesus wasn't a cattle driver, he was a shepherd, which meant he went ahead of the sheep and they followed. What a great example of how we're to live our lives. You can't drive people and have success. If you ever start driving me, I'm not going to moo at you. I am going to talk to you. But, but when we drive people, we most of the time drive them away. We don't drive them to where they need to be. We should lead them to where they need to be, where they want to be. You know, there have been people that in years past as a pastor that I knew didn't like me, but they kept showing up every Sunday. Kind of like a zit. It's like, how did that get there? Why do you keep coming? I'm probably the grossest pastor in town. But you understand, when you leave here, I want you to be able to go, I remember one thing. <laughs> this is what he said. But we take matters into our own hands. 1 Corinthians seven twenty six says, Because of the present crisis or storm, the Apostle Paul says, I think that it is good for you to remain as you are. In other words, don't start trying to fix things. Keep doing what you routinely do until God tells you to do otherwise. Keep your routines. It will change your life. Great John Wooden, coach of UCLA back in the day, had numerous championships. And you guys heard me say this uh, on a call a few weeks ago. Don't let what you can't do keep you from what you can do. There are things you and I cannot do, but there are things we can do. And what I figured out in my life is I can get up every morning, I can give God time every morning. I can get up and I can do that. Now what happens is when there's a storm, we oftentimes, believe it or not, forget God, not consciously, but subconsciously, we forget God. And we think, well, i got to get through this instead of saying, God, I need your wisdom on knowing how to get through this. And then you get around the right people who will help you get through this. You don't get around people who hurt where you hurt. If you get around the people who are just like you, that's going to double your trouble. You get around people who are going to sharpen you. The Bible says iron sharpens iron as one man sharpens another. You get around people who are going to sharpen you. You're going to get around people that make you better, that elevate you that take you to another level and say, we're going to get through this together. We're not going to sit here and talk about our struggles and talk about our problems. We're going to talk about our God and how much bigger he is than our struggles and our problems. You know, none of us like to fuel prices where they are, but you know what? Your grumbling and complaining are not going to change that. And here's what I've learned. You can say, I just think the prices ought to drop and God dropped the prices. Why don't you start asking God to increase your income? And let me tell you why this works better. Now, when the prices go down and your income went up, you just made a lot more in the midst of the storm. You didn't, get, you didn't panic and say, I don't know what we're going to do. I know exactly what I'm going to do. 
if prices go to $10 a gallon, I'm getting a Vespa. Just kidding. Not in Oklahoma. I'll tell you, there are chuck holes here big enough to take a scooter down. But I've had to fight through this. The reason I'm preaching this is because every time I go, I, one, of, one of my vehicles, a truck, has a 35-gallon tank. I went to the gas tank, uh, the, the, fill it up with gas the other day, $113. They finally fixed the pumps where you can go over 100 bless the Lord. <laughs> I was kind of encouraged when I saw a full tank, but I was discouraged when I saw the numbers on the, the pump. I went, oh, geez, I started praying. I have become a prayer warrior since these prices gotten higher. <laughs> Instead of putting stickers on there, put your hands on the pump saying, the name of Jesus. I'm speaking lower numbers. Why get mad? Getting mad is only going to create more of a storm. Don't get angry. Get happy. And then people standing around those gas pumps will come over and start talking to you and maybe try to help you because they think you're crazy. Just look at them and say, glory be to Jesus. Then, then they'll really walk away. They'll leave you alone. When you start about Jesus, people leave you alone. If somebody bothering you, say, Jesus. If I don't want to have a conversation with anybody, I just tell them I'm a preacher, it's over. <laughs> they don't want to talk to you. <laughs> Otherwise, if I really want to talk to them, take time to lead them, I just tell them I'm a behavior modification therapist. I'm going to keep feeding that to you guys. One day you'll catch on. A devout Christian who had a cat used to spend several minutes each day at prayer and meditation in his bedroom. He read a portion of scripture in a devotional book and followed by a period of silent meditation and prayer. As time went on, his prayers became longer and more intense. He was having a great time with God. He came to cherish this quiet time in his bedroom, but his cat came to like it also. She would cozy up to him, purr loudly, rub her furry body up against him. This interrupted the man's prayer time and his focus. So he put a collar around the cat's neck connected it to a leash and tied it to the bedpost because he didn't want to be disturbed as he prayed. This didn't seem to upset the cat, and it meant that the man could meditate without interruption. Over the years, the daughter of this devout Christian man had noted how much his devotional time had meant to him. When she began to establish some routines and patterns with her own family, she decided she should do as her father had done. Dutifully, she, too, tied her cat to the bedpost and then proceeded to her devotions. But time moved faster in her generation, and she couldn't spend as much time in prayer as her father did. The day came when her son grew up and wanted to make sure that he preserved some of the family traditions, which had meant so much to his mother and grandfather. But the pace of life had quickened all the more, and there simply was no time for such elaborate devotional proceedings. So he eliminated the time for meditation, Bible, reading, prayer. But in order to carry on the religious tradition each day while he was dressing, he tied the family cat to the bedpost. <laughs> Thus, forms become more important than the faith they were meant to convey. You know, and I say this only because as you get in the midst of a routine, never forget what that routine is about. 
You don't just come to church because that's what we've always done, though it's important that we do that. But we come to church for several reasons. We come, number one, to be in the presence of God. That is number one, that, that God inhabits the praise of his people. And when we worship him, it creates an atmosphere for his presence. That's number one. I believe number two, and it, it maybe even number one would be serving. We come in order to serve. That, that we do stuff for other people, that we give our lives a portion of it, a very small portion, literally minutes. Some of you serve in an area where you're here 15 minutes before, you're greeting people coming in, and you're done. And, and you come, you sit down, you worship, and you leave. It, it's, it's a wonderful thing. And then the third thing we come for is fellowship, to be around people, have conversation, and, and just find out how people are doing. But let me tell you what happens. In the midst of storms, that's when we're divided. Two years ago, the greatest storm I've ever been a part of hit our country and hit churches throughout the world. And the whole goal was to stop us from worshiping together, keep us from serving one another for fear that we were going to die of some disease, and thirdly, keep us out of fellowship and not sharpening one another. It was a storm that brought, brought great division. And as I preach today, and the reason I'm preaching this is I want to see us come back together and I want to see the body of Christ experience a sweep of God around the world. And that's what I'm believing for. I'm not asking God just to grow our church. I'm asking God to breathe on his church worldwide. And let me say this. Those of you that have stayed at home and excused yourself, and if God told you to stay at home, please stay at home. There's a reason. Maybe, anyway. If God told you to stay at home, stay at home. But if God didn't tell you to stay at home, you need to get up off the sofa, get out of bed, and get back in the house of God and connect yourself to the body of Christ. We need you. Not just we, the world needs you. We've been missing you, and you need to step back into your place and say, I'm going to worship God. Now, you can get mad at me if you want, but I'm called to provoke you, and that's what I'm attempting to do. And I'm usually fairly successful at it. Ask my wife. <sighs> but sometimes we need to be shaken a little bit. We get in a storm, and, and people do one of two things. They either hunker down and do nothing at all, or they start trying to fix it themselves. Neither is the way to do it. Stay with your routines. Let's just say, for instance, many people lost their jobs during the pandemic and the shutdown and all that. And, and a lot of people went into depression, and it's understandable that you would fight that, and there's nothing to be ashamed of, uh, but don't stay there. We all have those issues. We're, we're tempted to be, be uh, depressed because things are not the way they were. But, you know, let's just say you got up at 6 when you had a job and, and you no longer have it. You got up at 6 every morning. You had your routine. You, you drank coffee. Uh, Jehovah Java is so awesome. And for those of you who don't drink coffee, it's something you should pray about. Anyway, so you get up in the morning, you have your cup of coffee, you get your devotional book, and you pray, and then you shower, and you go to work. Well, after you lose your job, you lose your interest in getting up in the morning, having your coffee, praying, and showering, and doing all that. So you get a little slothful, you do nothing, you hunker down, you hold on. Instead of saying, I'm going to get up every day, and I'm going to do something. I'm not going to lay here. I'm not going to let this happen to me. I'm going to do something. And you, can, you say, well, what could I do? You know, there are all kinds of opportunities that, that nobody talks about. There are homeless people that you could just go and be an encouragement to. 
When I was going through my crisis every Sunday afternoon, since I didn't have a church anymore, I'd go to the homeless downtown and walk the streets with them. I heard stories. Some of them had been attorneys. They'd been great people, made one mistake or one bad thing happened, and the storm blew them away. And I just simply thought, you know, I'm going to get to know a part of the world I've never known. And you know what? I have great love for these people that many people cast out. I'm not boasting, but I'm saying it taught me something. That Mark, you know, some of these people, they didn't have a choice. And some of them made bad choices. But that doesn't stop God from loving them any more than it stops God from loving you. And so we create storms by creating imaginations in our mind about how people are. You don't know why people are going through what they're going through. I'm going to preach a sermon soon and, and, uh, that I, I talked talk to the men's breakfast about yesterday morning. I wish I'd have taped it because I would have repeated it just like it was. It was one of those holy moments. And uh, it really was. It was one of those, you know, you, you, you have a who, a what, and a why. And if I were to ask you who you are, you would probably tell me, well, I'm a bank president or I'm whatever. And that's not who you are. You are a child of God. You're creating the image and likeness of God. That may be what you do, but that's not who you are. And so we have a world that's lost its identity. We've connected ourselves to, to our doing instead of our being. We are human beings, not human doings, connected to God. And so what happens sometimes is when we get upset and we create storms, we say things like this. When somebody does something stupid, they say, what's wrong with you? Well, you know, that implies that, that, that you're good and they're bad. I'm right and they're wrong. And, and so instead of saying that, ask this question, what happened to you? Not what's wrong with you, what happened to you? That will pull people out of the storm that they're in because oftentimes you ask somebody what's wrong with them, that only stirs it up even more. You'll create an Oklahoma tornado. Now, I haven't developed this sermon completely yet, and I might develop it out of the hands of God, so I'm going to try to preach it someday off the cuff. <laughs> it's one of those I've been dealing with lately because I've been thinking about who am I, what am I, why am I, why am I here, why am I doing what I'm doing. I want to know those things because that will help me navigate my life. And some of y'all need to do a study on this and go home and talk about it. So, well, you know, I'm so-and-so's daddy. No, you're, you're God's child. What you are may be a daddy, but who you are is a child of God. Always keeping that in mind because when you do that, you'll, you'll stay out of a lot of storms if you know who you are. I'm not the fixer of all things, though I thought I was for many years. I'm just being honest, and you get, you get in trouble when you do that. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. One person said, we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but it's a habit. Now, when I say excellence, that comes off, it comes in a lot of different levels. A fish is great in water, but try to get a fish to climb a tree, it ain't ever going to happen. But oftentimes, that's what we do with people. We, we try to pull them out of where they're their best because we want them to be like us or do something like, that like us. In reality, find out how you can help a fish be a better fish instead of trying to help them be a monkey and climb a tree. I mean, I, I used to think I could train anybody to do anything, and then I realized I can't even train me to do everything. This is what I do. This is what I do. It's not who I am, but it's what I do. And I can't imagine doing anything else. So I have to stay in my lane. Oh, there were times I had all these ideas about doing other things and try to figure that out for a couple of years. And I went, this is what I'm designed to do. If I'm not doing this and serving people, I might as well just go to heaven. I could have said die, but that's a lot more dramatic. 
But I've decided that my life is only worth living if I'm living it according to the plan of God. It really is. So many people are depressed because they're living outside God's will for their life. They're sad because they're not fulfilling God's will for their life. When you find your place in God, nobody can make you unhappy. The devil will come and he'll knock on your door and he'll try to push you, pull you, jerk you around. But the reality is if you are running in your lane, you're probably going to be a pretty happy person. If you're unhappy all the time, ask yourself, am I running in my lane? The reason I can stay happy in the midst of turmoil and crisis is I knew when I was 21 years old, this is what God was supposed to do. That was about 10 or 20 years ago. I just wanted to see if you were awake. That's all. I'm just doing a check here. And you laugh. It really irritates me. And then lastly, don't make promises in your storms. Declare God's promises in your storms. God, I feel all alone. Nobody loves me. You remember the promise of God. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll be with you always. In those lonely times where you feel like nobody loves you, you've got the promise of God. He said he would deliver you. He would take care of you. God, we're broke. I have nothing. You said you'd meet every need I have according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Start declaring the promises. God, I promise if, if I just get through this, I'll start tithing. You're 85. You haven't done it yet. What are the chances? Quit promising God what you do. God, I'm going to tell you. if I get How many times have you heard people, well, once, if God will just keep me out of prison, give me favor with the judge, I'll serve him. Knucklehead. Probably not. You're probably going to be the same level of stupid because you're declaring your promise to him. And guess what? You're human. God is supernatural. He never breaks his promises and say, God, you said you would never leave me. You'd never forsake me. You'd be with me always. You who began a good work in me, you said you'd bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Let's get her done. Well, I've had those talks with God. God, you said, you promised the wealth of the wicked stored up for the righteous. That's what you told me, God. That's what you said in your word. You said I'd be the head and not the tail if I just obey you. I'd be above only and not beneath. I'd be blessed in the city. I'd be blessed in the country. That's what you promised me if I'd obey you. You said my enemies would come at me from one direction, but they would flee in seven. That's what you promised me. Some people don't think they have enemies. You're very unaware. <laughs> very unaware. And so what I have realized is that I may be their enemy, but they're not going to be my enemy. I get to make that choice. You said, what they're mean to me. Well, they're going to keep being mean to you if you sow mean back to them. But if you sow love, you sow grace, you sow mercy, and that's hard sometimes when people are just mean. I mean, you want to reach out and Will Smith them. Rock their world. Anyway, so. <laughs> but that's not going to help the storm 
that's going to enhance the storm. And so what I've had to realize when somebody's mean to me, I just want to look at them and say, you really don't know me or you'd love me. Which will really make them a little more mad, so probably shouldn't do that. But you can't, you can't calm the storms if you are contributing to the storms. We're all growing. We're all a work in progress, and we're all going through storms, and we will for many years to come. I'd love to say you're not, but, but you don't have to worry about the storms if you have your hand in his hand. Jesus said in the world, you have tribulation. You could substitute that word for adversity, storms, whatever. He said, but take courage, I've overcome the world. Greater is he who's in you than everything going on in the world. And, and so the reality is we create images in our minds, and, and those images become the storms of our lives. The Bible says that we, we are, we're to think on the right things. As we think in our hearts, so are we. So if you think hateful thoughts, mean thoughts towards someone else, all you're doing is, is brewing up a storm that's going to blow into their world, and you're going to be right in that world. Do the routine things, the things you know to do. Psalm 119 says, My eyes stay open through the watches of the night that I may meditate on your promises. I have a book of promises that I, I went to Scripture, and I just typed them out, and I open it. And, and, and I, he is Jehovah Shalom. He's my peace. God, you promised you'd keep me in perfect peace if my mind was stayed on you. That's what you told me, Lord. You would keep me in perfect peace. So when I don't have peace, that's why he said, in my presence is fullness of joy. God, you said if I'll stay in your presence, I'll experience joy. That's a promise of God. But you know what? You have a role to play in that, and that is that, you stay in his presence. And you say, how do I do that? You walk in love. You walk in grace. You walk in mercy. When you start judging other people, you have created a tornado or a hurricane. Meditate on those promises. For as many are the, as are the promises of God, this is out of the Amplified Bible, for as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes, answer, in him, Christ, for this reason we also utter the amen, which amen, mean, amen means so be it, to God through him in his person and by his agency to the glory of God. Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. This is the promise of God, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand you have nothing to fear as we as we experience the perfect love of God the Bible says love casts out fear that perfect love casts out all fear and so I'm just want I want to encourage you that in the midst of what we're going through right now maintain your routines you'll be felt you'll you'll feel like you'll be pulled in all these different directions trying to Figure things out. You don't have to figure things out. If, if you've got a relationship with God, cast all your care on the Lord because he cares for you. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding, but all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. You'll be able to see through the storm. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your passionate patience with us. Lord, may we experience and possess and exercise a passionate 
patience in this world. In the midst of a storm, may we maintain holy routines. Getting up in the morning, giving you time. Getting up on Sundays and worshiping you and serving you and loving our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, may we maintain routines that produce fruit in our lives, blessing in our lives instead of curses in our lives. Lord, I pray for all those going through storms right now that they would all of a sudden get calm, put their confidence in you, and passionately, patiently wait on your direction. Your word says the footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. Lord, if we'll slow down and let every step count and make sure we're walking in the direction that you would have us go, we'll see your blessing. Lord, we'll see the storms around us begin to dissipate and the strength within us begin to escalate and elevate. Lord, we're going to put our confidence and our faith in you. With every head bowed, every eye closed, there are those of you today that may not know Christ. And if you don't know Christ, the storms will overtake you, all of us. And so I want to pray a prayer with you today and ask you to pray this with me. The Bible says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Pray this with me. Say, Father God, thank you so much for sending your only son to die on the cross for my sin. Jesus, thank you for giving your life for me. Today, I give my life to you. I repent of my sin, and I declare today, I am forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want to ask you, and you said, I accepted Christ. This is very important, is that you share that experience. And you begin today by texting the word SAVED to 405 500 just text the word SAVE to that number, 405-513-10, and we'll begin praying and standing with you. But more importantly, this is about you taking that step to acknowledge that you have now accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Do that right now. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Crow. I just want to take a quick moment to thank you for joining us online. We hope you have a blessed week this week and get to be a blessing to those around you. I want to invite you to join us at Mosaic Church OKC next week at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Or join us online. God bless you.